The Confluence Story Gathering Podcast is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit that connects people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River system. Find us at confluenceproject.org. I had an uncle, he said, uh, that there, there should be a golf club. There should be a golf club here. So that's what, that's what he always said. And I always remember that because of what we built. We built that thing he was talking about. It's right here. Hello and welcome to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. Anton Minthorn is a respected elder and leader from the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation. In the clip we just heard, Anton was talking about how one of his uncles envisioned a thriving economy for the tribe in Northeast Oregon. It took decades to come to fruition, and Anton was there to see it happen. Minthorn has served multiple roles for the Umatilla tribe as a city planner and as chair of both the General Council and the Board of Trustees. He's also the founding board chair of Confluence. In this episode of Confluence Radio, we'll hear from Anton as he discusses tribal governance, what the tribal economy means for the wider community, and the role of treaties today. This interview is part of the Confluence Digital Library, where you can hear more voices from the river at confluenceproject.org. My name is Anton Minthorn, and I'm from the Umatilla Indian Reservation in Northeastern Oregon. And I uh, am a college graduate, uh, Eastern Oregon, uh, college, uh, and also uh, Gonzaga University, and did some master's work at the University of Oregon uh, School of Planning. I had an uncle uh, that went to Haskell, uh, where he grew up in uh, Cul-de-Sac, Idaho. That was where uh, my grandmother came from. His mother was, was from Cul-de-Sac. And uh, that's where they they come back and forth, and his dad, Cayuse, was here. They come back and forth. They sit here, and they go back there. But he graduated from Cul-de-Sac High School. Uh, then he went to uh, Chihuahua or Haskell, maybe both of them, and then uh, uh, graduated from Kansas University, which is right next to Haskell, uh, graduated uh, from there. And I don't know what, what the what the degree was in, but then uh, uh, after that, then then they went to Washington, D.C., and that was, then the war started in 1941-42, and they just built the Pentagon. And uh, so he went to work in the Pentagon as a cartographer, that's what he would tell me, he was a map maker. Uh, And that was during wartime, Uh, the war with Japan, and he was, he would use these words like Okinawa, and I didn't understand what Okinawa was, but it was one of the islands in the South Pacific where the where the uh, Americans fought. He talk about he talk about that. But he in the summertime when vacation came, uh, then he would they would come by train across the United States. They'd come right down through uh, the Thorn Hollow to Pendleton. That's how that's how he came back. Then go back the same way uh, all the years that he was working. 
and 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 uh, before air 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 travel came, it was always by train. And uh, <clears throat> but he, in those days, uh, Indians could not buy liquor. They couldn't. They couldn't buy liquor uh, uh, off the reservation. They were, they were refused service. They had always used bootleggers to get to get any kind of like like that American was it prohibition prohibition time just like that. So so he 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 could he had access to all that kind of stuff cafes and drink a beer or whatever anytime he wanted to. So when he came back here, uh, and then uh, and then uh, knew the golf the golf course is where the high school is now that that's where the golf course used to be the Penland the Penland golf course, and he, and the Penland Roundup is right below there. Uh, so there was always uh, it was always there, and he knew what golf golf clubs were, golf courses were about, what what those those uh, lounges and whatever they had, restaurants in those in those golf clubs. He knew all about because of his travel. And then we there's this road uh, uh, right out here, uh, Market Road, Ford. they call it. That next to that, we used to drive that and go over to Tudorwella, uh or drive over there because. Um, his uh, uncle lived lived out here, so we'd uh, travel around. Us kids, he'd haul us around in that truck, and you know, while he was visiting, and that's what he said when we cross across here. And he said uh, that there there should be a golf club. There should be a golf club here, golf course, golf club uh, here. And that's what he was thinking about because you'd have all their uh, uh, the activities uh, that. That uh, those kind of facilities have, you know, lounge meals and drinks and whatever, relaxing. So that's what that's what he always said. And I always remember that because of what we built. We built that thing he was talking about. It's right here. And I always think back. I wonder. I wonder what he'd say if he if he could come back now and see what he did. What what he how his dream came true uh, with that golf course. And. Uh, uh, golf course and golf club uh, facility and hotels and uh, all the stuff that he saw back there is here. Yeah. When I ran for office in 1981, uh, I was asked if I would if I would run uh, for some office for the tribe, and and uh, I says. I will if you support me. That's not just for one one term, but uh, to to support me for so I can uh, uh, have time in service. And I there were choices that I could make: what to be, whether to be an officer of the general council or the board of trustees. So in that time, uh, I decided uh, that I would uh, I would be. I would better like to be the general council chairman. Uh, he had to run for that because there wasn't there wasn't that much pressure put on on the general council chairman as it was the board of trustees, which is the governing body, and they have the day to day responsibilities there. <clears throat> so I became so I became the chairman of the general council, but but uh, there were some deep concerns uh, uh, of mine uh, vision. Of things that I thought that really needed to be done, and one was to restore the land uh, uh, back to its original treaty boundaries. That was so on the top. The other one was economic development, um, and <clears throat> um, 
because I, we'd been down that road fighting for a travel economy, and I just thought that uh, we needed to continue uh, uh, to pursue, to get to, to build an economy uh, for the tribe. And that was one of the first things I did when I got elected. I went, I went and talked to the board of the, our board of trustees uh, or, or our business office at the time, and I asked them, uh, I want you to tell me what is an economy? What is an economy? And I don't want a dictionary definition to provide goods and service. I don't want. I want you to tell me what is an economy. So, so we had that discussion uh, there with. Uh, I think it was uh, the tribal uh, business office. Maybe BIA was involved in that too. I don't. I don't recollect back to that. Uh, but we did come up uh, uh, with uh, with a, a resolution uh, to build. Uh, an economy to help the people, and then the other one was uh, to restore the land base back to the tribe. When you look at uh, uh, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, nineteen eighty-eight, just before that, we were we were doing bingo. And we were very uh, successful. Uh, the elders had that program and were very successful with it. It was in the, in the, in the whole community around us were in, into bingo. So the Board of Trustees at that time uh, took, took the responsibility of managing bingo and they moved it to the community, uh, the community uh, center there, uh, the gymnasium area. Uh, and then at that time, and then uh, uh, there was big gaming going on in the United States and in, was it, Florida? The Florida Seminole mm -hmm. tribes were doing big business uh, hotels and all. And then uh, uh, the uh, uh, people, the white people at that time, did, thought that, 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 that they should not be able to do that, so they uh, established this law called Indian Game and Regulatory Act, IGRA, uh, 1988. Uh, and, and we were going back and forth, and when, when I was asked, do you support uh, Indian Game and Regulatory Act? I said, no. Uh, I said, we, have, we have freedom, we have our own right to do it, but they, they did it anyhow. Uh, <laughs> but it turned out um, that we could get those uh, win-wins, and, and we had... Uh, uh, we had... Uh, a meeting uh, with our governor here, uh, to, uh, Barbara Roberts was governor at that time, and uh, Elwood Padawa was the chairman, Dan Hester was with us, and then, um, then they decided to form that team and go to um, Salem and negotiate uh, with, with, uh, with the governor, which they did, uh, and then, then, then the building, started, we started to build and expand uh, our, our casino. Um, like a little farm, little house, and then and then uh, a uh, hotel not a ho yeah hotel restaurant and a gaming facility uh, was built at that time, and uh, uh, we just started uh, uh, to uh, take off uh, the win-win. And I think one of the big things that happened is we we got we got a great consultants, uh, gaming consultants that built that initially built. Uh, the gaming uh, casino that we have today, um, and then of course um, uh, later, uh, 
uh, Gary George came in um, uh, to uh, apply for that management job of the CEO for uh, the uh, for the hotel. Was able to get it and was able to build build up on that and succeed to where we're at today. Uh, but again, like oh, uh, we have the paper, the newspaper here. Uh, you need to people need to read that and uh, and hear what Gary George is saying in that in that in that picture. I mean in that in that uh, move, uh, newspaper uh, to understand uh, what the thinking is uh, that got us to where we're at today. It, it's a good article uh, there. Uh, but uh, we were we were able to build a strong uh, casino uh, uh, because we could we could uh, uh, replicate all gaming that was going on in the state, including the uh, pen and roundup uh, gaming facility where we all got the pinwheels and that kind of stuff. So we had a we built a strong strong uh, gaming uh, business. You're listening to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast. We're hearing an interview with Anton Minthorn, former chair of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation in Northeast Oregon and founding board chair of Confluence. Time and again in this interview, Minthorn returns to the theme of finding the win-win, solutions to problems where everyone benefits. At that time, also in the 70s, we should... um, uh, restore water and salmon to the Umatilla River, which was dewatered because of irrigation. And and, and we hired uh, some uh, 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 staff, uh, consulting staff, uh, to work on with Ed Cheney, and which was they were really competent, really tough guys, uh, Doug Nash, to work on that. So we began to work with uh, with the irrigators and. Uh, also got the support from uh, Pendleton. Uh, Hadley Aikens uh, was a banker, uh, but he was interested in restoring water and salmon, and was probably one of the strongest leaders uh, in that effort uh, to restore salmon and water uh, to Umatilla. Um, and we begin all our meeting processes, meeting with the state government, and see meeting with the irrigators and uh, the. Uh, uh, Senator Hatfield, state representatives, but we were we covered all our all our ground, and in the end, uh, we won. We we got salmon and water back into the Umatilla River in 1994. I think the salmon came back, but it when it did, I said it, it took all of us to make it happen in the Umatilla River basin. It took all of us, and it's a win-win uh, for all of us. Everybody enjoys the benefit of that. Uh, and we all traveled together eventually, uh, Hadley, and all, all the irrigators and what, we all traveled back to D.C. to testify. It was a big win. We're hearing an interview with Anton Minthorn, former chair of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation in Northeast Oregon. Anton is descended from a long line of leaders. Here he explains the history of the treaty his tribe signed with the federal government in 1855. The, uh, I think that in the, earlier, in the earlier history of the tribe, uh, particularly Cayuse, that uh, they were, uh, they were uh, living 
in the Walla Walla Valley when the settlers begin to come, the, uh, what do you call them, uh, uh, the religion people, uh, Marcus Whitman, them came uh, and then set up the mission, uh, but the mission was failing and they were going to close it and, and uh, Marcus Whitman did not want it to close and went back east to keep it open. When he came back, he brought a lot more settlers with him, immigrants. That was sort of the Oregon Trail. Uh, but uh, he was told uh, by, the, by the Cayuse leadership to stop bringing people over to the uh, Walla Walla Valley uh, and taking land and bringing uh, disease. And they, and they told him to stop, but they refused. Marcus Whitman refused to tell them, so they killed him. And that was called the Whitman Massacre. Uh, and that was uh, the Cayuse War, 1847. And then, uh, and then uh, there was, later there was a treaty in 1855. But the, but the Cayuses were always very concerned about losing uh, the land. Uh, uh, to the immigrants, and that's why they, that's why they uh, uh, well, protected it uh, with with that with the violence. They just uh, did not want to to lose the land. And during the Treaty of 1855, uh, that's is evident that they were very concerned about the way the treaty the treaties were going at that time with Isaac Stevens. And for several days, they didn't speak up at the treaty. Uh, they didn't, they didn't uh, say anything as the discussion was going on. And they were asked why, why they weren't, weren't uh, making any uh, remarks. And later they said, um, we know that uh, you are concerned about us not saying anything. But we listen. But what it is, we do not understand what you are proposing. Uh, for us to do. You want us to go to Nespers. You want us to go to Yakima. We have no interest there. We have our own lands, our own property. Then they, then they named them off. Uh, Umatilla uh, uh, region, River region being one of them. But they had a, they had a, they had a definite uh, uh, concern about uh, keeping their land and they were, they were uh, concerned that uh, the Nespers were giving away too much. So they, they, they stuck to their to their uh, vision of their own homeland. They won. But negotiating uh, is really a challenge. It's tough. You gotta you gotta have the guys that know how to do that. And the way that I say it today is that you got to hire guys that are smarter than you, that know how to negotiate water, that know, that know how to negotiate fish, that know how to go negotiate with the state, the state legislator, and the, and the feds. They got to know, they got to know that stuff, and, and you got to hire them, uh, uh, and then be able to work with them uh, to get that, to get that win-win. Uh, that's why uh, negotiation uh, is so important. You can talk about a problem. All you can talk it over and over, but you gotta walk that talk. Uh, you gotta get it done uh, in the end. Otherwise, it, it'll never happen.
let uh, natives uh, have rights to their uh, properties, their lands, and that, and it's written down uh, that's that's the uh, policy of the United States government it, uh, uh, regarding the relationship with Indian tribes. But they they that's they did it on paper okay, but then they did they didn't respect it, uh, and that's where. That's where the tribes then lost a lot of their uh, rights, their, their uh, treaty rights, and their fishing and land was lost. Uh, and uh, uh, some of them uh, maybe went to other tribes or just, just stayed uh, uh, and then lived without a reservation uh, there. And I think there are still those yet coming back. There's still a history. There's, it's still alive yet, very much alive. And Umatilla, uh, because it because it restored its treaty rights, uh, sovereignty, and self-governance, could hire the people, could hire the attorneys, could could hire the the uh, uh, archaeologists, anthropologists, uh, planners uh, uh, to uh, that know how to solve problems and to walk the talk, and that's what they've been doing. They've been, and then they. When they talk to the other side uh, about uh, a problem, uh, whether it has to do with fishing or water or land, then they come to a, a compromise, a win-win situation. They're that they, you respect my rights, I'll respect your rights. Since you're here and you got it, uh, but I need I need some of that to help make so I can live. And then you get to that win-win, and when you get to win-win, you become one together. Yeah. That was Anton Minthorn, founding board chair of Confluence and former chair of the Board of Trustees for the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation in Northeast Oregon. This interview comes from the Confluence Digital Library at confluenceproject.org where you can see photo galleries, documentary shorts, and articles connecting people to the history, living culture, and ecology of the Columbia River system through indigenous voices. Find us at confluenceproject.org, where you can also learn about the five completed sites along the Columbia River system done in collaboration with Northwest Tribes and the celebrated artist Maya Lin. Remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit. We can only do this work because of the generous support from the friends of Confluence. That's you. Join us today at confluenceproject.org.